Welcome back to the State of Education with Melvin Adams. Today, we'll conclude our conversation with guest Sheila Qualls. Sheila and Melvin will discuss the root of the disparity and the breakdown of values that we see in American culture today and end with an encouraging reminder for parents. You aren't stuck with only one educational choice. Let's talk a little bit about the role of faith and morality uh, in our culture and in parenting and in education. What are, what are the dangers there? What are the, 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 the qualities that we need to be using and promoting and how important is that? And from your own experience and just from a broader perspective. I think that um, we right now we are raising a whole generation of children who are being raised without fathers in their homes. Um, we have 80%, almost 80% of black children are born into fatherless homes. Yeah. When Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated in 1968, almost 80% of black children were born into two parent homes. So you fast forward, 50 years, and now we have our children being raised in fatherless homes. And when you don't have a father in the home, it impacts everything that you're talking about, morality, education, self-worth. I mean, it impacts work ethic. It impacts all of that. And I think that's what our children are missing. And we, a lot of times we try to say, well, this is because of, these problems are because of racial disparities. And I don't believe the problems are because of racial disparities. We at Take Charge, we believe the problems are two-parent disparities. Mm -hmm. Because when you compare children who come from two-parent homes, as opposed to children who come from fatherless homes, you know, no matter what color the child, you know, the statistics are almost identical. Yeah, they are. In terms of graduation rates and marriage rates and birth rates and that that kind of thing. Um, We are... Um, not doing our children any favor by normalizing not having a father in the home. That was not the way that God intended for children to be raised. Mm -hmm. And we are seeing the ramifications of that. Um, You know, nearly 80% of black children are born into single parent homes. That is not only just the black community, it's spreading into broader society. I believe now, about 50% of children born, regardless of race, are born into fatherless homes. And that is the impact that we are seeing on our society with this um, lack of morality, lack of compassion, lack of empathy, because we're not teaching that to our children at home. You know, and even a lot of times when you do have two parents, both parents are working and they're relying on their children to get their morals and values and that base from someplace else. And it just doesn't happen. No one is going to take the interest in your child that you have in your child. You know, no one is going to care if your child says please and thank you and um, yes, ma'am. And yes, sir. Then more than you. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is truly um, what is at the root of this problem. So what I'm hearing you say, the really the root of this problem is the breakdown of the family. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, that's where it starts. So 
from your perspective, from what you've studied, why, why is that? I mean, I've got a lot of thoughts and a lot of ideas and everybody has their opinion, but why are we seeing such a breakdown of the family? Well, we have, we have data um, that obviously I can't share right now. Um, but as I said, through the worst of times, black families were intact. And we had core principles, faith, family, and education. Through Jim Crow, through sanctioned segregation, through redlining, through separate but equal, our families were intact. In the late 1960s, social welfare programs were introduced and heavily marketed in black communities. And it's at that point in time when we see a statistically significant decline in marriage rates among black women. Um, prior to this time, marriage rates were all, you know, almost the same. We see a, a decline in marriage rates in black children and, a, and an incline, an increase in fatherless homes. Um, and when you have, you, when you are raising kids without fathers, there are so many more problems than, you know, things that we don't even see, that we don't even recognize. You know, a lot of um, uh, children who are homeless came from fatherless homes. Suicide rates, a lot of these kids from fatherless homes. Um, mental, health, mental health problems, a lot of these kids from fatherless homes. Kids in fatherless homes are abused more. Um, it, it's just this whole dynamic that, um, that, that we're not paying attention to that is happening to so many children in our society. Yeah, many of the many men who are incarcerated, men and women, in fact, that are incarcerated come from fatherless homes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Probably a majority statistically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and you know, people say, well, that's the reason we have fatherless homes, because our men are in prison. And I say to that, they're not snatching these men away from the dinner table with their families. Yeah. You know, these are people who are not being fathers in the homes anyway, you know, and they're out committing crimes and, and doing things that get them arrested. They're not family men who are unfairly incarcerated. Yeah. And I think the point I was trying to make is that a lot of times when somebody grows up without that, to parent and the, the male uh, support uh, structure and nurture and example, uh, particularly young men, um, you know, they're out there trying to make it on their own. And often they look for other males to emulate and follow. And next thing you know, uh, you know, there's always somebody willing to take somebody in and usually, well, not usually, but often for not good causes. Right. And then, you know, uh, kids just get into trouble. Uh, they get introduced to drugs and alcohol and other kinds of things that just destroy their lives. And that's, I think, you know, kind of how that whole process unfolds. Well, we've kind of really gone off on some tangents here, but I, it's been interesting. And let's, let's come back to, uh, let's talk a little bit about education. Talk to me about some of the, as you, from your perspective, strengths and weaknesses of education in America, and particularly as it relates to minority communities. Mm -hmm. You know, our, our education system is not what it used to be. 
um, it has basically been hijacked by the teachers union and they are determining what is being taught in our schools. And this isn't just in, in certain schools, this, this is nationwide. Yeah. Um, children need to learn the basics. They need to learn reading, writing, math, critical thinking skills. These are the things that children need to be learning in schools. And now academic content is being substituted for social justice content. So our schools have become little factories to, that are producing um, social justice warriors. Children are not getting the education that they need. And particularly in black communities, like you said, um, I live in Minnesota, Minneapolis public schools for the past six or seven consecutive years have graduated 50% of their black and brown students. And when children, number one, when you're born without a father in the home and then you get a poor education, you know, the odds are, are not in your favor. Yeah. They're not in your favor. And we need to allow these mothers in these inner cities to have school choice. You know, they, they should be allowed to send their children to schools where their kids can get a good education because education is the great equalizer. And education yeah. is the one thing that these kids have or can get that can make a tremendous difference in their lives. So when you talk about school choice, let me just interrupt you for a second, because you use the word school choice. I mean, that means different things to different people. All right. Uh, And for example, you homeschooled and you took took things into your own hands. And sometimes that's a great, great thing to do. Many parents, many families thrive in that way. Not everybody does. Not everybody can. Um, But but still. You know, if a kid is caught in a failing school system, um, the parents need to have options. So when you talk about school choice, what does that mean to you? And talk to me a little bit about um, things you would like to see more of in our schools, particularly, I don't know, we may want to qualify, particularly in our urban areas, but maybe not, because the reality is the, the deeper we dig into this, the same issues are in our urban schools are in our rural schools. Um, so talk to us a little bit. Yeah, that's at, what you're saying is absolutely true. Um, the schools that are good, they're sort of bringing, dumbing them down so that they're, they're so that the disparities aren't so big. They're not raising up other kids. They're bringing other kids down. Yeah. And when I talk about school choice, I mean, the money follows the child. So go. if a mother is in an inner city or, or anybody who lives in any part of the city and they think that their school system is not good and they would like to either send their child to a different school across town or put them in a private school. I believe that money should follow the child. So, you know, vouchers so the children can go um, get scholarships and go to private schools. Um, Just different ways of it. If, you know, and if you homeschool, you know, you should get your tax dollars back because you're not using, you're not using the school system. So I believe school choice, and I'm not just talking about for inner city children, I'm talking about for anyone who feels like their child is not getting the education that they want them to have, or that they think that they should have. One of the challenges we have in education today is that 
really, let's, let's just be blunt, public education has become a monopoly. And the unions have exacerbated that situation until their control. Uh, it's more about bargaining for more money and more privilege and more power uh, than it is for really improving the quality of the education, really improving the development, the development of, of the children in those schools. Uh, that's just the harsh reality. Um, and what we see in every industry is when there is diversification, when monopolies are broken up, what, what do we see? the quality goes up and the price comes down. Okay. It's just, that's a universal principle that ties really to capitalism, which is now trying to be made an ugly word. Mm -hmm. uh, but capitalism is what creates prosperity. Capitalism is what creates opportunity. Capitalism is what creates innovation that, that in, gives us all these wonderful tools and technologies and all of these things that we enjoy and take for granted. It's capitalism that drives that. And our system itself and the monopolies are actually taking us the opposite direction. And that is absolutely true. You know, and one thing that you didn't say, capitalism lifts billions of people out of poverty. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, you, you know, it, people out, billions of people out of poverty every single year. Um, I, I think that, um, or it has, has lifted billions of people out of poverty. I think that, um, you know, it's, it's exactly what you said. Um, remember when the, when the baby bells were broken up? <laughs> And then we got Sprint and, you know, AT&T and, you know, all of, and, you know, like you said, the quality went up and the price came down. And I believe the same is true with education. And, you know, we we really need to find some way to, um, for lack of a better word, break up the teachers unions and allow um, parents more uh more um, say in their children's education. Parents are the parents are really the ultimate teachers of their children. I mean, you can send your kid to school, but it is that parent who ensures that that child is learning to read yeah. or that child is learning their math facts or how to spell. That's ultimately where it's happening. Um, yeah. The school is not responsible for teaching your child. And I think a lot of times when we send our kids to school, we think, number one, it's a safe place. And, you know, and so a lot of parents don't believe that these horrible things that we say with the critical race theory, a lot of people just flat out don't believe that that is happening in our schools. Yeah. And I think that, unfortunately, that's a very naive approach. And you don't have to look very hard or very far to find it in our schools. Yeah. And, you know, and the only way that we're going to be able to stop that is to, like you said, break up the teachers unions and put the power back in the hands of the parents. So as we kind of wrap up here, let's take a few minutes and let's talk directly to parents. All right. 
So there are lots of parents and grandparents that listen in. And as a leader, give us a few things that just help us to uh, have tools. Okay. Well, I would say, first of all, um, there are many, many, many different alternatives to education other than the public school. And do not be afraid to pull your children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews out of public school. You know, we have sort of put public school up on this pedestal and think that it is the be all, the end all. And it's not. You know, there are charter schools, there are homeschooling. And like you said, everyone can't homeschool and that's fine. But there are many, many other options. Um, private schools, um, a lot of these, um, oh, I can't even think what they're, the, they're, they're like little, little schools that are popping up all over the place. Um, people, are, people are starting schools. Yeah. There are so many more ways to educate children. And I think that we need to do it because the only way or the only thing that they're going to understand is money. So what if, you know, everybody took their child out of public school and nobody was showing up at public school? You know, they think that the, that those that our children are their children and our children are not their children. They're our children and we're responsible for them. Yeah. And I think if you don't like what is going on, you need to find an alternative to what is happening and don't feel stuck because it doesn't have to be homeschooling. It doesn't have to be that. There are so many different options. There are, you know, things that they can learn online. You know, there are schools um, that are uh, classical schools where kids go there one day a week or two days a week and learn. And then they come home and do the rest of their, um, you know, schoolwork at home for the rest of the week. There are many, many, many options and find like-minded people because that will give you strength. Yes. Find like-minded people to um, that believe like you believe and do those things with those people. Run for school board. That's another huge thing. Um, if you don't like what's going on with your school board, fire your school board members. Yeah. Fire your school board members. There's no law that says those people have to be your school board members. If you don't like what's going on, Stop it. You know, school board elections, um, just really quickly, a lot of times are held on off years. And they do that intentionally because they're hoping that people aren't paying attention and they don't vote. So a very small percentage of our population actually decides who's going to sit on the school board because people aren't paying attention. Right. But I would encourage parents and grandparents, um, if you are not happy with what you are getting, if you're not happy with what you're seeing, look for alternatives. And it's going to take a little bit of bravery, um, you know, to be able to and, and help your kids. You know, if your grandkids are the ones who are in school and your, your, your children can't afford um, private school, help them out. You know, you know, hey, supplement that income or, you know, say, hey, I'll, I will homeschool, you, you know, your kids. We have so many options. And I think a lot of times we get stuck in a rut of there's only one way to do things. This is the way we do it. This is the way that it's always been done. But there are so many more opportunities and alternatives to school nowadays. And I say take advantage of them. Absolutely. Thank you, Sheila. 
Uh, Sheila Qualls, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, thank you for joining us today. Sheila, uh, give a website some information where people can go learn more about you and, and get some of the resources you provide. Great. We are Take Charge. Our website is Take Charge. It's all one word, M-N. So it's TakeChargeMikeNovember.com. And there people can find out about our resources, um, what we do, um, and, you know, um, we, we are more than willing to help people when it comes to making these decisions. Excellent. And of course, Noah Webster Educational Foundation. Our website is nwef.org. Uh, we are focused on helping to bring best practices and core principles back into education. We zero in on five big things, the role of instruction, the role of parents, the role of government, the role of faith and morality, and the role of facilities or how our money is spent in education. So those are kind of the big areas, a lot of resources there. Uh, Sheila talked about firing your school board. Maybe you don't know how to get started. You can go to our website and you can learn. We actually have an online training that will, you can take at your own course uh, or your own pace, and it'll give you a step-by-step, -step, some history, some background, understand what you're getting into, learn how to put together a campaign and go in there and take charge in your own community. All of us are working together. Sheila and her organization, our organization, and many others, our intention is to resource you, parents, grandparents, community leaders. We want to resource you so that you can bring the change that you need in your communities and for your families. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank Melvin you. Melvin Adams. Thank you, Sheila, for joining us. Thank you all for joining us today. This is Melvin Adams with No Webster Educational Foundation and uh, trust you have a great rest of your week. Thanks so much for tuning in with us today. That's what we're all about here at Noah Webster Educational Foundation. We want to make it easier for you to engage with your local government and school system, whether you're a parent, educator, legislator, or simply a concerned citizen. Join the conversation today on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Learn about more ways you can help by visiting our website at www.nwef.org. We look forward to you tuning in with us again for The State of Education with Melvin Adams.